0: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great
1: Catholic content. Now, back to the show. It's 28 minutes past the hour. You're listening to Real Presence Live. We're your hosts, Matt Wilcom, along with... Father Tim Bieren here at St. Charles Borromeo Catholic Church,
0: Southeast Minnesota, in the Diocese of Winona, Rochester.
1: Before we head into straight talk, we want to invite you to visit our website, realpresenceradio.com, for even more great content. There you can listen to programming from your local area, find a podcast. If you missed one of the daily shows, submit a prayer intention for Prayerfully Yours and see what's happening across the network on our news page. Be sure to check it out, realpresenceradio.com. Again, realpresenceradio.com. Again, I'm Matt Wilkham along with Father Tim Buren. We are on the cusp of straight talk where you have the opportunity to call in and ask questions about the Catholic faith, something on your heart, something like maybe a pastoral situation that you're dealing with, not quite sure what to do. If you're dealing with family issues, um, we can also... He can, he can address those things. What
0: I appreciate about when you call in or when you leave us a message on social media, Facebook as the example is that your question usually is a question that one of our listeners also has. And so don't be afraid to either call in or, or to even send us a message on Facebook so we can respond to that to the best of our abilities. I don't always have all the answers. I'll do my best and of course leave it up to the Holy Spirit and, and uh, yeah.
1: So the number to call? 877 795 0122. Again, 877 795 0122 or the RPR Facebook page to submit your question for Father Tim Buren. We have now officially begun Straight Talk with Father Tim Buran here on Real Presence Live since it is now the bottom of the hour. We have a goodly amount of time to Call in and talk to Father Beren about anything regarding the Catholic faith. We know people have a lot of questions out there. Uh, One of the things that uh, my daughter has been asking me, Father, about is Mormonism. Because she has encountered a classmate of hers in the 6th grade who uh, says that she's uh, a member of the LDS. And she's been asking me, what does that mean? And Where does this group come from? Um, Maybe, Father... Mirren, you can speak a little bit to that. Well, a little bit. I have some
0: limited knowledge on uh, Mormonism, but the Latter-day Saints uh, begun primarily um, based out of a recognition that Uh, they felt that they were being called to live the principle which was polygamy and to have originally now this is original uh, that God was um, ordaining them to have more than one spouse and so that was a very common practice but of course it is illegal in the United States of America and so they themselves felt a lot of persecution because of that they again felt that this was a call of theirs and so Um, so some of the early leadership then felt that they needed to to travel um, to a place where they would not be persecuted Um, so many of them uh, settled in the uh, salt flats of Utah where it was really an uninhabitable location but again they found serenity there so now let me be clear um, the current uh, jesus christ church of jesus christ of latter-day saints does not follow that original principle um but that was one of the reasons they began in the first place and so um a lot of challenges there um i would say you know i've met one of the local bishops in rochester and he's a phenomenal man and and they certainly have a, a a great understanding today of that morality but nevertheless um in many ways. uh, Some people have found it to be a cult, Um, uh, some challenges that they have uh, discovered uh, with that particular religion so I'm not an expert on that myself so what have what have you learned as you you know when you have a child that is inquisitive of course as a a parent you try to find out uh, as much information as you can have you done any research yourself we
1: have we've looked up a couple of articles on Catholic Answers of course Catholic Answers Live another great program heard on the RPR network and they have just really great resources uh, and so we, we just read through a couple of those online articles, and one of them was highlighting the fact that over the years, um, a lot of LDS teachings have kind of come and gone, or at, at the very least have been very ambiguous and have almost ebbed and flowed um, along with the current cultural or political climate, you know, like what you highlighted with polygamy. Um, I think when the U.S. government shut that down, all of a sudden there came a, a revelation, if you will, saying, "Oh, we we just received a new revelation from God, saying that we we no longer do that." So it was yeah. just kind of convenient in the, that way. You know, it's interesting. Joseph Smith, the founder, was only 24
0: when he did find uh, found rather the uh, the religion uh, not being around for much longer. I think he was I think he was in his early 30s when he passed away, but. Uh, Again, there were those other leadership uh, individuals that took on that, that understanding and that belief, uh, but nevertheless, it was certainly not uh, uh, founded on the best of principles. Um. I do recall visiting with somebody uh, and challenging somebody about this particular uh, religion at one time in my early priesthood and uh, uh, quite defensive about uh, their beginnings. So again, it's a challenge, you know, and again, we see where we have come from and where we are going regardless in
1: life. I know we do have a caller on the line, but just real quick, what would you say to my daughter if? she said, you know, what, how do I speak or how do I bring this topic up to my classmate? Uh, what, what would you say? How, how to speak to her? Well, ultimately, regardless of who the person is, what religion, what
0: background, if any, they have, we are called to love them. And we're called to um, to really be that minister of God's grace and to really show them the love of Christ. And so ultimately, there's there's just that desire to enter into their life and to love them as Jesus would love them and not try to change them in any regard, but let the Holy Spirit guide that conversation.
1: Great. Great advice, Father Beer. We have a phone, a a caller on the line. Brady is on the line, and and uh, welcome to Real Presence Live. Oh, it's from I'm sorry, it's Facebook. How does the church view debt? Such as with buying a house or the use of credit cards, Father Biron. Well, stewardship is very important in the life of the church.
0: We acknowledge that everything we have comes from God, and ultimately we uh, we return to God. And so, as we discern our financial abilities, uh, it is very important for us to understand that we we give to God what is God's, as the Lord says, and give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And so, it is very important that a family come up with a a budget for living their life and and finding the ways that they are called to use their resources to better the kingdom of God, and, and part of that kingdom of God is their own family. And so as they have the responsibility of living out that family life, they have responsibilities for nourishment, responsibilities for protection, and and so forth. And so it's important to provide, um, but it's also important to acknowledge that uh, finding uh, oneself in debt can, of course, bring upon other challenges and 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 other areas that um, definitely can Uh, impede uh, the relationships within that particular family. So for instance, if uh, if you're struggling financially, it's easy to project that struggle in another area. And a lot of times we take out our frustrations and struggles on the people that we love the most. So it's very important to remember that uh, when finding yourself in a situation in which debt is going to be occurring, you're opening up Pandora's box in some ways.
1: Uh, another thing, Brady, that you might want to check out is I know a lot of Parishes, uh, Catholic uh, churches, but then also other denominations are offering seminars, uh, financial seminars. And, you know, there, there are different ones out there. I don't want to highlight any one uh, or, you know, I don't want to favor any one over another, but these exist out there. And the, I know that a lot of Catholic parishes are increasingly trying to help people with the problem of debt because it's a huge problem in our society it certainly
0: is uh we're blessed to have a catholic united financial uh, council within uh, one of my parishes here and And this spring, we're actually going to be hosting some of their speakers to come in and to address some of these concerns uh, that people have on on creating a budget on what do you do if you find yourself in debt? Or how do you plan for your future? How do you plan for your retirement? How do you plan for after you are no longer here? What can you do to provide for the next generation, for the church, and so forth? And so that's just one avenue, but there certainly are other um, avenues in which people are... um, are finding themselves being able to to seek out those um, those uh, points of information. You know, um, I know that uh, there's a what is that class? I'm trying to think of what it is. There is that financial freedom,
1: or I think maybe Financial Peace University. Yes, that's what that is, and that has been held at different churches and St. Mary's in Winona. Okay, I believe they're full though. So, okay. uh, if some, if your parish currently doesn't offer something like that maybe it's something to bring up with your pastor or those other other people in leadership positions in your parish see if they'd be open to doing that Uh. It certainly is a great idea, and I'm grateful that uh, Brady did bring
0: that question to us on Facebook, because uh, it is something that uh, is on the hearts of many people, especially uh, with the economy and always being uncertain, and we can't always trust in that, but we place our trust and our faith in the Lord, who is always going to be that provider, and he's the one that's never going to let us down on that journey.
1: And, you know, as somebody who works for the church, you know, the communications director, for the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, we've been talking about how do we move from maintenance to mission. And one of the things that we've been talking about is creating what are called on and off ramps for people to get involved or to address their needs. And this financial question is a huge piece of that puzzle for a lot of folks. A lot of people just haven't been trained a whole lot in how to do that. So I would encourage any... Any pastor, any anyone who is in a leadership position in a parish who might be listening this morning, to consider if you don't offer a program like that, to to look into it at least. It would be worth it. Definitely would, and uh, so I think that's a
0: great idea. And I'm grateful to hear just down the road, our neighbors here, St. Mary's, are offering um, you know that that opportunity. So. You're listening to Straight Talk. I'm Father Tim Bearn, along with Matt Wilcom. The number to call is 8777950122. Again, 8777950122. We thank Brady
1: for that question. And Father, we have another question from Facebook: Is there time, as we know it, here on Earth, in purgatory? And know that, that, that phrase, you know, "time off of purgatory comes up sometimes. Do we even use that phrase anymore? Well, the, the difficulty is that question, sadly, can be answered
0: yes and no, so it depends on how we are referencing time. Um, if we go back even to the creation story, you know, how God created in six days and he rested the seventh day. You know, um, God's time is completely different than our time. And we as human beings who have tried to embrace that time concept and have tried to be able to explain it have had to do so with our simple minds. God who is all-knowing and is so much bigger than all of us put together um, is obviously a different concept of time. And so technically um, the the concept of time within purgatory is, is not Um, what we see as our time Uh, the easiest way that i can explain it is when we lose a loved one that has entered eternal life and if they find themselves in purgatory uh which god willing is uh you know the, the wonderful gift of purgatory because we count on that um and regardless is that uh it's almost like a light switch matt it's like um by the time you put a light switch up or down, whether you turn the light on or turn the light off, it just takes just a moment that you can't explain how long that takes. In many ways, I, you know, I truly believe that when we have the opportunity to again see our loved ones that have gone before us, that that moment in time is erased. And so the pain that we have in our hearts, for instance, of losing a loved one, especially if it happened early on in life, and there's that pain that we hold in our hearts, by the time that we have the opportunity to be in God's glory, again, that time frame is completely wiped away and so that's the yes and no so we ourselves experience that time this side of the grave uh, but those in purgatory don't experience it to that extent so that's that's the part that's difficult for us to to uh, grasp because we haven't been there
1: is that part of the reason father buren why you know the the the, the reason the, the fact that god is outside of time is that why our lady could have been preserved from original sin before our Lord's sacrifice on the cross. I mean, before, meaning uh, as far as time here on earth so that she could be prepared adequately to to bear
0: the Son of God? Most certainly, because God, of course, had, you know, even without the concept of time, had the understanding of the development of creating an opportunity for us to be back with with our Heavenly Father. You know, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve and that sin that had occurred, uh, and that punishment that was necessary, uh, God has been trying to get our attention all along, and uh, preparing for this time, um, within God's time again, uh, that understanding of how our Blessed Mother uh, takes part in all of that is most certainly um an an element of how that all came to fruition
1: you're listening to straight talk here on real presence live i'm matt wilcom along with father tim buren whom you can call and ask a question about the catholic faith for the next few minutes at 877-795-0122 or on our rpr facebook page you can post your question and we will read it on the air here live this morning on a Monday, coming to you from St. Charles Borromeo Church in St. Charles, Minnesota, where Father Tim Biran is pastor. You're also pastor at Holy Redeemer in Iota. And St. Aloysius in Elba. So, very qualified pastor to answer any question about the Catholic faith when you call 877 I enjoy listening to Real Presence Live
0: when I'm also not on the air, and I, I really appreciate my brother priest to be able to be open to these questions, and And sometimes, uh, Matt, I say, thank you, Jesus, that that priest is answering that particular <laughs> question, you know, because sometimes, uh, again, we have different areas of, of experience and um, knowledge and whatnot, and that's the beauty of the priesthood, is that, uh, is that when the Lord is calling somebody to consider the possibility of priesthood, we have to be very, very careful that we do not compare ourselves to to other people, that we look to their gifts and their abilities. And if we see something that is a shortcoming in our own life, that does not mean that God is not calling. And so that's why it's important to understand that all of us priests are different. We all have different gifts and abilities and different ways to respond uh, to what um, God is presenting to us, whether it is through a listener or whether it is through um, an encounter that we have in our ministry. Well, I,
1: I, I know I, I, when I ask you questions, Father, I try not to make them too difficult, but you know, you probably know philosophy or remember it much better than I do. I don't remember a whole lot from my seminary training. <laughs> so hopefully that's helpful. I know it would be for me if I were in your shoes. I'm not asking you, you know, really complicated <laughs> philosophical questions. Sure, sure, sure.
0: Yes. It looks like we have another question on Facebook. This one is from Rick. It looks like it's become a um, a little bit of a, uh, a theme this morning. wasn't intended to be, but is there time as we know it here on earth in purgatory? What do you think that uh,
1: question means? At. I'm a little confused on that time. Uh, yeah, I mean, in purgatory, I think that's that. Could be, yeah, it speaks to the whole question of you know that that ability to take time off of purgatory uh, with an indulgence. Okay, sure, sure. So. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, people
0: even reference, you know, that this this certainly is uh, a time of purgatory because of this activity that I'm doing or or because (laughs) of this struggle that I have is, you know, whatever it be. And in fact, and we, we actually, and you laughed about that that just now, which is actually a positive thing, because uh, it brings to mind the reality that there is a purgatory, and it is on the hearts and minds of people, especially when they find themselves in a challenging situation on uh, this side of the grave. So, uh, But most certainly, there are, are moments for us to to be mindful of those that are in purgatory. I recall a priest that had been visiting a cemetery, and he had a a hobby, if you will. It was also part of his spiritual life where he would actually stop at cemeteries that he would not be aware of. Um, And so this one particular cemetery, he would stop and he would just randomly go to graves and he would stop at them and he would pray over them, which we know is one of the corporal works of mercy to bury the dead. And uh, visiting cemeteries is very important for us where um, our beloved have been laid to rest. And so he found himself praying you know, at a particular cemetery. And as he stopped at this particular grave, uh, uh, again, just, just randomly. And he prayed for the, the soul of the person that was buried there. And he actually heard the voice of that person. Thank you for praying for me. Nobody has prayed for me. So, wow. you know, we're constantly finding uh, the importance of doing that. So uh, another example that could answer Rick's um, question is that is one of the reasons we have masses offered for our beloved deceased. So we, we offer masses for them and we pray for them for, uh, entrance into eternal life and so um it's one of the ways that we we are mindful of them and we offer those masses for them and so that's um something that sometimes people aren't aware of of why that that mass is being celebrated or being offered but again it's a beautiful connection because every single time we celebrate the eucharist at the altar we have the meeting of heaven and, earth. and the singing of the choirs of angels reminds us that that is our ultimate goal, to be with God in glory. So it's important for us to pray for all of those that have entered eternal life.
1: I've been uh, kind of debating uh, a Protestant pastor uh, via email lately. And one of the objections that he's come up with is, of course, uh, he feels like the Catholic the practice of teaching uh, kind of covers up the fact that we are saved by grace alone, which the church believes, but the the works, he says, seems to kind of cover up uh, or, or skew the vision of that. Uh, and I'm trying to make the point where, you know, St. Paul, he says in again, Colossians, I make up in my own flesh what is lacking, lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. And so in some mystical way, our Lord has willed to need us in the work of salvation, he's already done the work of redemption on the cross. It's, yes, it, it's all—it's been a, a one-time sacrifice that can never be repeated. But he has somehow willed to to need us in in this work, and so that's what the mass is. It's a representation of that once-for-all sacrifice, and those graces are then applied to that particular situation or whatever whatever situation the, the prayers of the faithful who are at that Mass or are participating somehow in that Mass are... Are kind of putting putting into the into the chalice. I've always kind of used that. I've been told that that that's a good image to put your your prayers into that chalice at that
0: moment of the elevation. Absolutely, Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. It's an opportunity for us to be grateful to God for what has been and what will be. Uh, again, not understanding the entire uh, complex uh, part of our journey, but again trusting ourselves to the Lord, that the Lord is going to provide and that God knows what we need. And and so again, as the the priest offers up those gifts on behalf of all of the gathered as those gifts were brought up uh, from people in the community uh, that represent all of the people that are at Mass. It's a, a great way for us to, uh, to have that uh, prayer lifted up. Um, again, this is uh, Father Tim Beeren along with Matt Wilcombe and we are having straight talk here if you'd like to call in and be on live it's 877 7950122 again it's 877 7950122 we have a richness with the scripture of saint paul and and that challenge Matt that you were talking about with that pastor that you have been um having those conversations with Uh, through email, it really brings up a good reminder that um, St. Paul, if we put some of his writings together, it would almost seem like he's contradicting some of his own teachings. But that's where we have to remember. Certain communities needed to hear certain things. And so we now have the gift of being able to sit back and read and pray through all of these different um, connections that he had, whether it was with the people from um, with the Thessalonians, the Corinthians, or significant letters that he wrote to his friends and those that were assisting him in the ministry, um, each community might have had a different challenge at the time. And so he might have said to one community, You're not doing enough work to help the elderly, and you're not doing enough work to help young families. So you need to do more work. It's not just about grace, you know, as I paraphrase. Or to another community, he might have said, You know, you're just doing work. You're just doing all of this work, but it's by grace. It's by grace that we're saved. So again, the challenge that would have been there for those people to become better
1: and then also there was i think saint paul's recognition that maybe some things worked better, better than others i mean they were they were all doing this completely new and so when he went to athens for example he didn't maybe get the response that he was hoping for uh, talking about just the, the resurrection of the body They were interested, but maybe not as much as he wanted. And so, the next town, I believe, he said, "I resolved to preach Christ, nothing but Christ and Him crucified." I find that really interesting because you know, well, we say you can't have Easter Sunday without Good Friday, and that's something that the Catholic Church highlights. Even though we are saved by grace, it's all through grace. It's all it's it's grace through faith and The manifestation of that is through our good works and uh, but then also paul says work out your salvation with fear and trembling so you're right that different communities needed to hear different things but i I find that interesting that at a certain point paul said i I just resolved to priest christ and and him crucified because that's what people need to hear that's that's the crux of the matter, no pun intended. <laughs> there you go.
0: We have another listener who is not on the phone but has sent us this message. Listening to yesterday's gospel reading, I'm wondering what it means when Jesus says, quote, so be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And uh, when we see that uh, that concept of perfection, uh, that can challenge us, us because nobody is perfect except God alone. And so he is calling us to a higher standard, that we become like Jesus was 2,000 years ago, counter-cultural. So to enter into our into our world and enter into our life, understanding that we're held to a higher standard. We're held to higher morals. If I can acknowledge the, uh, the sadness of the clergy misconduct that has occurred, um, and that we are now seeing some of the challenges from uh, those uh, clergy that have Significantly hurt people um, over the years. Um, some people might respond, "Well, it happens in all walks of life," which it does. It happens in public schools. It it happens in the Boy Scouts. It happens in other secular areas, and it even happens in families. Yes, we know all of that. But remembering what Jesus says with that call to perfection is: we have to be held to higher standards. We have to be held to that higher standard because it is um, our our calling. um, And he wouldn't have said it had it not been possible, right? Absolutely. And And it is possible. And that is one of the ways, again, that we, we live our life is that uh, constantly we are striving in that call to holiness. And what happens when we fail? What happens when we make mistakes and sin people The Sacrament of Reconciliation, Confession, it's a beautiful way for us to be in right grace with our Heavenly Father. Don't be afraid of the sacrament. Don't be afraid to take advantage of the sacrament. Uh, The beautiful thing is every one of us is a sinner. When we come to Mass, that's what we all have in common. We are sinners. And when we are holding on to that sin, when we're afraid to let it go, when we're giving into the lie of Satan, uh, we find ourselves being trapped and shamed. And we need to lift that burden so that we can uh, be on that road to perfection, be on that road to holiness. And so the sacrament of confession or reconciliation will certainly help us in that regard.
1: Absolutely. And I also think of the example of the saints as role models when we're called to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. The saints are living proof that it's possible and that god's love is efficacious meaning effective like it it can break through my sin it can break through everything all of all of my lethargy uh, my acedia my my sloth my you know whatever sin you want to name it it is possible if we open ourselves to that grace and it's not it's not like god meets us halfway it's like god meets us the whole way <laughs> And we just have to open ourselves to it. That is so so true, and and it's an important part of
0: of remembering who we are, and and again how God uh, works with us through that.
1: Yes, we have just about five minutes left here for straight talk, where you can call in and ask your question of Father Tim Biran here on Real Presence Live at 877-795-0122. Again, eight seven seven. 7950122 or the RPR Facebook page you can post a question there and Father Tim Buren will answer it here on our Straight Talk segment on Real Presence Live. I'm Matt Wilkem along with Father Tim Buren we have another
0: question on Facebook. So somebody had sent us this question. Phil, thank you for your question. Certain prayers used to have indulgences attached to them, such as 300 days and so forth. Can you please explain, given the mystery of time and space in the afterlife? Well, from a historical um, perspective, I um, don't have uh, significant knowledge in this area, but I know that, again, the concept of time um, has changed over time. Um, we're grateful that we have uh, such right. Uh, uh, Pope Benedict, as his role as Cardinal Ratzinger, he has written extensively on this particular topic, along with even uh, Pope John Paul II. And so one of the things I would advise uh, Phil and any other listener who wants to go deeper into this question, beyond the particular knowledge I have, is to certainly Google, um, if you would, some of those um, presentations that uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, again, Pope Benedict, and then John Paul II have written. Uh, Very helpful for us to get a concept and an understanding of, of this particular question. So uh, ever since the 20th century, there has certainly been changes in this type of teaching and these understandings based with the prayers, especially the understanding of how it relates to time. And so uh, this theme that kind of uh, Matt came out this morning is a is actually a good theme because it's important for us to understand uh, the, the the transformation that has happened over time uh, from the beginning. And I think the reason that is important, Important is because sometimes people wrongly latch on to something from the past and assume that this is where we are today. So, such as the Middle Ages, when there was such a significant abuse of the concept of indulgences—the time where people actually paid for indulgences. They paid to get uh, people out of heaven, or paid for for uh, souls to be released, or whatever it may have been. And so, and uh, those monies were used. very uh immorally uh and so you know when we look back at that part of history uh we have to be very careful that we understand we are looking backwards with twenty twenty hindsight vision. And so as we move forward, we look to those that have given us that that understanding of where the church is today. So uh definitely fill in anyone else that is interested to uh to look to the sources of those people that have really written extensively and uh, theologically and pastorally. So uh, check out some of the writings by Pope Benedict and Pope John Paul II.
1: Right. Uh, it just reminds me of a little story that I heard. I don't know where I heard it, but somebody who was in St. Peter's Square for the first time looking up and in awe of the facade and saying, Wow, I wonder how much that cost. And I think a priest came up behind, overheard, and, and said, All of Germany. Mm. You know, very, I mean, it's more than unfortunate. It's a tragedy. It is, certainly. It's a beautiful basilica. But um, anyway, I just want a quick highlight uh, you have something going, coming up here, uh, social media training that you're going to be doing, Father Beren, with uh, Dr. Susan Winley-Doust coming up on March 3rd. That is
0: coming up on March 3rd, and if they want to get more information about that, they can check out dowr.org or find us on social media with the Diocese of Winona Rochester.
1: Up next, what does it mean for a seminarian to be an intern? We'll find out. And, all, and after, they are bringing the, faith, the face of Jesus rather to their city in a big way. One couple will share what this way is and how you can do the same in your local area. Don't go anywhere. Real Presence Live continues next.